Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Get caught up on this week's top stories from The Hash Crew. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Monday's top story. If you thought the SBF Do Kwan stories were stupid and infuriating, you haven't seen anything yet. Because this Voyager stuff is wild. Voyager most recently has denied SEC assertions that its VGX token is a security. Um, And just to lay a little bit of context, uh, I I was getting caught up on this story myself. Binance US is attempting to buy out Voyager and its remaining assets, uh, somewhat surrounded by rhetoric about making customers whole. Uh, Now the SEC has basically attempted to stop this acquisition in part by claiming that the VGX token which I guess is on Voyager's balance sheet, is a security, and therefore the sale to Binance US would amount to the illegal sale of the security. All I will say is that uh, the outcome of this really should be that whoever Voyager's lawyers were in 2019 should go straight to jail, because the idea that you would be a US domiciled and Canadian US, Canadian exchange listed company and issue your own token is wild. Uh, I will leave it at that for now and uh, let others jump in. Obviously, this is part of a bigger story about the SEC trying to lean on Binance. So that's kind of probably the important thing here. Zach, I see you nodding along. Or yeah, I'm nodding. I mean, I'm on, I'm on the record on this show previously saying that, you know, maybe exchange tokens are a good place for the Securities, securities and Exchange Commission to investigate rather than going after something like a stablecoin, which is a bit more fuzzy in terms of the claims that those two may be securities in some instances. So I think, yeah, you're right. You nailed it. I mean, yes, you largely U.S. company issuing its own token. You know, we saw that with uh, BNB. We saw that with FTT. Key differences there is that they were in sort of different jurisdictions that may have been more friendly to that. But it sure looks like a company with a token. I'm sure there are, you know, bright legal minds who maybe uh, found a way to make this not, not be the case when it launched back in 2019. Uh, but I mean, I think uh, exchange tokens are a bit, uh, a bit, suspect, I think, honestly, especially in this current environment where, you know, if everything besides Bitcoin is a security, then this sort of class of tokens, I think, would probably be, you know, more on the spectrum towards that side of things uh, in accordance with Gary Gensler's views on a number of cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. But I saw Wendy's hand. I want to toss it to her. 
Like, is there a case for why, you know, Voyager may be right in this case and in, uh, in batting back these claims from the SEC? I don't even think that this is law or not, but again, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that the SEC allowed Voyager to operate in the United States of America. And, and SEC's job is to protect retail. The SEC's job is to protect retail. If they cared so much about protecting retail, why wasn't this issue brought up in 2019? Why wasn't it brought up previously? There's literally people that are waiting to get their money back and there's been a solution for it. Binance US, I don't give it, I don't care if you like CZ, I don't care if you like Binance or not. There's people that have their funds stuck on the exchange. I'm one of those people that has the funds there. I don't care if I get my money back or not. It doesn't bother me because I didn't have a whole lot there. My issue is, is that the fact that SEC is not doing their job. You don't get to allow something to happen for years and then not say anything. And then they collapse, file for chapter 11. And then people, innocent people are literally waiting to get their money back and then stop the transaction because you decided to do your job. That's not okay. I, there's some, there's, I don't know what is going on with our government in the United States. But this is immensely problematic. Uh, Jen, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach, but I think like is now the time. So I think I agree with Zach and Wendy, right? The story says that these delays are costing $10 million per month, right? Over 97% of creditors have voted for this plan to move forward. And there was another story where the bankruptcy judge said, you know, he doesn't understand why the SEC is doing this in this way. They're basically just saying they want to stop it, but they're not providing any more information. And the judge thinks that it's a little bit ridiculous. And I think his direct quote was that he is shocked. I want to also remind everyone of the story we covered on the hash a few weeks ago, where I think it was the FTC who was saying that this deal should not go through because they have problems with the way that Voyager was advertising to retail. And they don't want this bankruptcy deal to go through because if it went through, then all financial claims and, and potential criminal claims will go away. And so the fact that regulators are trying to stop this now when really all that's happening is we're trying to get as much money back to people who lost money in the first place is just, it, it's a little shocking. And David, before I pass it to you, I want to mention that the, there's a financial advisor for Voyager who's quoted in the story saying, a year and a half ago, we provided all the documentation to the SEC that the SEC requested and they never got back to us. So we thought that this was settled. And so it is kind of weird that it's happening now, David. Yeah, that's the thing when I say this is the most infuriating and stupid story of the day. It's because not only is Voyager clearly, I mean, look, this is a security. They were offering staking rewards. It's not ambiguous at all. At the same time, the SEC is behaving wildly in this trial. My reading of some reporting that we did was that essentially the SEC is demanding that Voyager prove its token is not a security, which is like literally epistemologically impossible. You cannot prove a negative. And, and so this, this request by the SEC is, is crazy. And the way they're doing, they're just throwing sand in the gears. Basically, I mean, I think that they're essentially using Voyager victims as human shields in their assault on Binance. And uh, I mean, so that's my read of the situation. There are no good guys here. I, I really feel for Voyager people because this does not look like it's going to come out well for, for customers. They're just going to keep getting run over in this fight between two actors who are both bad. Tuesday's top story. Fed Chair Powell says interest rates are likely to be higher than previously anticipated. He cited data earlier this year showing that inflation has reversed the declaration. It slowed at the end of last year. And that's because people, well, I don't think inflation has slowed down, but people just aren't able to spend money. He warned of a tighter monetary policy ahead to slow a growing economy and said that the current trend shows the Fed's inflation-fighting job is not over. 
As far as Bitcoin price action goes, Bitcoin is kind of just holding on to about the $22,000 area. You'll see a little bit of spikes up on the lower timeframes, et cetera. And I think that we're going to see a lot of stagnation with Bitcoin, or at least that crab sideways action, because we are in a bear market, number one. Number two, we had a bunch of really crazy rumors about different regulations coming out, et cetera. So this is something I think that we can anticipate for quite some time until we have some volatile news that really dramatically changes the market. Ben, I would love to get your take on this story. Do you think that the geriatrics of the United States of America are doing their job? Well, I certainly don't think the geriatrics of America are doing their job. But I would also question whether there's a relationship these days between inflation news like this and and the Bitcoin price. I think that relationship has, has broken down a little bit over the years. Obviously, you know, Bitcoin is supposed to be an inflation hedge you know, when inflation is going up. Bitcoin is supposed to be going up, and I don't think we quite see that relationship playing out over time, but still uh, obviously important news and affects the whole economy. Yeah, Bitcoin definitely trades like other risky assets, and risky assets, they live and die. One guy's pronouncement from the Federal Reserve. It is pretty crazy. I just think it's crazy that Bitcoin has become that. I mean, it's not new, right? This is something that we've seen play out time and time again as more sophisticated investors jump into the space. Folks who work at big trading firms tend to view Bitcoin similarly to how they would view tech stocks and other things that might be a bit riskier. And I think that's why we see on these, you know, on these, on these Fed days, significant action. But Wendy, you, you know more. You know more about the charts than I. Take it away. Well, this is just my opinion. I will say that like the local bottom that we've seen recently was about, I think, like $16,000 for one Bitcoin, which that's a pretty good local bottom. Could it go lower? Yes. Could it go higher? Yes is what it is. But at the same time, I will say that my 401k that I was contributing to when I had my nine to five job is currently in the red. And my Bitcoin investment since 2017 has actually outperformed that significantly. So there's that piece of information. I don't think that Bitcoin is necessarily like a hedge against inflation to an extent, but it kind of is because it is holding a little bit more value than we see a lot of traditional stocks, in my personal opinion. And I kind of feel like it could be one of the best chances that the underdogs of the United States of America have against inflation. Go ahead, Zach. I'm putting you on the spot because I know you have long said on this show that Bitcoin would drop south of 10K at some point. You still have such dire predictions for Bitcoin? And if so, why? Well, because the markets are very volatile and I think that we could see another drop. One of the things that I'm thinking now too, like we always talk about the four-year cycle, Bitcoin halving, et cetera. But now with all the crypto contagion that's happened, we want to kind of take a look at Silvergate. Silvergate Bank did a lot of amazing things in the industry as far as being that big player to give loans and to help entrepreneurs in the crypto ecosystem for Bitcoin companies, crypto companies, whatever that may be. And we're starting to see their decline. A lot of well-known names has essentially pulled out of their partnerships or working or having bank accounts over at Silvergate Bank. And I think the impacts of that, if Silvergate does in fact go down, are going to be long withstanding. We're going to see a lot more issues with crypto companies. Crypto companies in the United States of America already have a very hard time doing anything regulatory-wise, and we're going to see a lot more people move out of the country. And I do think that that could impact Bitcoin in a negative aspect, especially as the markets become more volatile. Yeah, I hear that. We do have a little clip from our buddy Jerome Powell talking about inflation. Let's hear it real quick, and then we'll pick up this conversation. Although inflation has been moderating in recent months, the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go and is likely to be bumpy. As I mentioned, the latest economic data have come in stronger than expected, which suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. If a totality of the data were to indicate that faster tightening is warranted, 
we'd be prepared to increase the pace of rate hikes. Restoring price stability will likely require that we maintain a restrictive stance of monetary policy for some time. All right, so Bitcoin soared in its last bull cycle when we were in a low to no interest rate world. Ben, I'm going to put you on the spot, put on your macroeconomic hat. In a world in which your bank account, your savings account is potentially giving you a nice little chunk of yield, can Bitcoin thrive? What's your take on that? Well, I think Bitcoin's always going to thrive. And actually, I would argue that this regulatory environment, while cracking down on many crypto projects, could be good for Bitcoin because you know, Bitcoin carries on regardless of the regulatory environment, less regulatory risk attached to it. It's functioning in the background. So I think the Bitcoin price is set fair. And I think once we see a more favorable interest rate environment and we see more faith in the market, I think it will return back to where it was or somewhere near where All it right. was. And Wendy, quickly putting you on the spot, the sweet, sweet interest in your banking account over in TradFi, is, is Bitcoin going to look as attractive going forward if that's the case based on what Jerome just said? I personally wish that I could close all of my bank accounts in the U.S. I think that they're predatory. I think they're absolutely terrible. But unfortunately, I'm a mom. I've got bills to pay. I'm not about to renounce my citizenship because I got to keep my kid here for her family. But if I could close my accounts and just operate fully off of crypto and Bitcoin, I 100% would. And the interest over the banks is actually a slap in my face personally. The fact that I get, what is it, 0.01% or 0.03% when they're taking my money and they're actually making a lot more money because interest rates keep going up is just kind of an abomination and it's embarrassment. And it, you know what? That's all I got to say about that before I get too mad. Wednesday's top story. Our friend Jay Powell is out here on his day two of congressional testimony softening his stance a little bit and Bitcoin responding in kind. Let's hear what he had to say a bit earlier today. We have not made any decision about the March meeting. We're not going to do that until we see the, the additional data. Larger point, though, is that we're not on a preset path and that we will be guided by the incoming data and the evolving outlook. So there it is, the orange coin, which was meant to subvert the influence of federal governments everywhere, is responding accordingly and is north of 22,000. Yeah, that's what the orange coin does these days. It responds to Jay Powell's comments about the state of the economy. So I'm going to toss this to Will, get historical here. What do you think about Bitcoin in the macroeconomic context, especially in the wake of these comments from Jerome Powell up on Capitol Hill? Yeah, I mean, history kind of repeated itself, right? Uh, we've always seen that Bitcoin has been moving in line with any pronouncement from the Federal Reserve. And you might think that that's like a recent trend, but it really isn't, right? So since 2010 or so, we've seen the Federal Reserve has been moving into quantitative easing. It paused doing that after the Great Recession and sort of just moved into like this 0% interest rate regime where anyone can sort of boot up a business because it's really cheap to get credit. There's a lot of tech startups that got hot. Bitcoin grew up in that environment. It got hot in the environment of tech stocks going to the moon. And then since 2020, when the Fed moved into like this very aggressive posturing, due to the COVID pandemic and then the post-recession fears. We've seen Bitcoins be basically lockstep with tech stocks also, right? So whenever the Fed says that we're going to raise interest rates, Bitcoin goes down. It did go down Monday. Tech stocks also go down. Whenever the Fed says they're going to pause and maybe not increase as much, we see things rally. And that's why a lot of people right now think that 22,000 Bitcoin mark is a little bullish. Some people think it's a bear trap because the Fed has sort of been saying that we're not going to raise much more we're at about 5%. It's time to pause. But then all of a sudden, the Fed can pivot, right? And we are seeing this right now of Jerome Powell. They said in their earlier comments, hey, we're going to go up. We're going to go up another 50 bips instead of 25 bips. Well, he pivoted. And now he's saying like, hey, we're actually probably going to increase and go even more. And that is catching a lot of these stocks off track. And they're being very volatile in the wake of that. 
And that's what we've seen with Bitcoin, where it went down a lot yesterday and now it's kind of going back up, went up like 200 bucks. Tech stocks and the like are doing similar. So very similar, just like from a historical perspective. Jen, I'm going to throw this over to you. Any thoughts on our favorite orange coin this morning? Well, for me, this is just continues the road to boring story, right? The crypto markets are so closely correlated to the equities market. Will, I think you did a really good job at just giving us the history and laying that down. For me, I wish Adam was on the show today. I like how do we make sense of what's actually going to happen if one day we hear one thing and markets react, and then the next day we hear Powell come out and say, actually, no, that we're not even know that's not going to happen or that might not happen. Just we're interpreting his comments as a little bit softer than yesterday's and the markets react. How do we know what's going to happen? Well, I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments on that, or do we just not know? Do we continue to interpret the things in the news and watch the markets go up and down? Rule number one on the hash, don't make a price prediction. We don't do that here, but I will because <laughs> Crypto Wendy is not on the show today. I, I think it's anyone's guess, right? Like We have to know what the Fed is going to do in order for like tech stocks or Bitcoin, other cryptos to know like where they're going to trend. The Fed has been saying that they want to get to 5% and then sort of reconsider things based on the facts. Those facts really are unemployment. Do they care if unemployment's higher or lower? Will they really want unemployment to actually be higher? That shows that the markets are sort of cooling off and inflation is cooling off. They sort of link unemployment and inflation very closely. And so far, unemployment numbers have continued to be very strong, meaning most people are still employed. And the Fed has been looking at that and been like, hey, this doesn't really make sense. If we're in an inflationary environment, then we probably want to see unemployment go up. I think they're, they're going to keep pushing that federal funds rate higher until they see a breaking in unemployment rate where unemployment actually starts to go back up towards historical norms. Right now, it's below historical norms. And I think for Bitcoin, if you're going to extrapolate from there, that just means like there's probably more pressure on Bitcoin to go down as opposed to up in the short term. But if you're going to make that decision, that's your problem. That's not mine. We do not do financial advice on the hat. Unless it's Wendy's corner, you know, Wendy could give price advice all she wants. Zach, over to you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I really liked your like broader historical scope there, right? Like Bitcoin, it is a comment on macroeconomic realities, right? Like Chancellor on the brink of second bailout is literally there in that first mint, right? So like the fact that this is sort of founded by and for macroeconomic nerds continues to be a reality, whether it's in a period of quantitative easing or in a period of more aggressive rate hikes, right? So, you know, I think that zooming out to that sort of historical context was really important. Thursday's top story. All right. So in the face of this crypto banking crisis, Crypto.com is struggling to maintain its fiat on-ramps. The exchange's current banking partner is only accessible to users in the European economic area. And in other news, you'll remember we spoke about Silvergate yesterday working with the FDIC to try and stay afloat. Now they are saying that they are going to voluntarily liquidate and wind down operations. Zach, I'm going to toss this one off to you. Where do we go from here? Yeah, we were talking just yesterday, like watch this story. And then sure enough, voluntary liquidation hit that night. Wow. Amazing. Anyway, Silvergate was, as we discussed yesterday, a major partner to many crypto firms in the space, providing both fiat off-ramp, on-ramp, and also just banking services, right? They had been sort of a pioneer in serving an emerging sector. And by way of their association with FTX and Alameda, they seem to have passed away. So they're being wound down. That's something that has sent multiple players in the space scrambling to look for additional banking partners. And I think it's becoming more and more difficult, again, in the wake of this joint pronouncement in January from U.S. banking regulators that touching crypto is bad, according to them. And so therefore, people are trying to figure out how to make this work. 
It really does seem as though crypto in the US is in crisis right now. If um, off-ramp into the beloved US dollar is indeed compromised at scale, right? There's still several banking partners out there. Signature we mentioned yesterday, Customers Bank we mentioned previously, but these are banks that are potentially proceeding at their own risk, right? They probably have better risk parameters in place. A lot of them didn't have exposure to FTX, so they should be fine in terms of deposits on hand. But again, I think regulators in the US are taking an increasingly serious and hard line on what services established financial players can provide to crypto startups. And we're seeing this kind of play out with both Silvergate and obviously as exposed in this story, crypto.com, which services a lot of users are also kind of feeling the pinch. So interesting to see this unfold. This is really a fascinating moment in crypto's history. And I think a lot of people are going to be ramping up their efforts in DC to say, hey, here's why crypto can be pro-social. And here's why crypto should be allowed to live and thrive here in the US. And I think those conversations are really ramping up among some of the more established players in the space. Will, I'm going to toss it to you. What do you think about this one? Yeah, same line of logic as you here. I think I want to go back to Operation Choke Point 2.0, which we talked about a few weeks ago on the show. This idea written first by Nick Carter and some others talking about how there might be this push by the Biden administration and other regulators within Washington, D.C. to choke out liquidity from the crypto market by going after the bank partnerships, right? So if you talk to the banks that already have federal fund accounts or already within the commercial banking system, you say, hey, we don't want you to work with crypto exchanges and we're going to put out press releases and we're going to put out notices whenever you guys do work with them or that we don't like working with them or when we put like a sensor on these exchanges. We're seeing that more actively now with what happened with Silvergate, right? So Silvergate, of course, was not necessarily targeted by any regulator, but it was noted within the press. Elizabeth Warren and others were not super happy with Silvergate, especially after the fall with FTX. And I think Silvergate falling apart is only going to play into that narrative that we've been seeing with this operation, Chokepoint 2.0, where more banks are going to see more pressure not to deal with crypto exchanges or crypto companies at all because it's too much of a liability within the eyes of regulators. I think we're going to see that just escalate over the next few weeks. For crypto.com, I think it's a similar story, right? So they're based in Singapore. They operate globally. They're a pretty large exchange. They're also known pretty widely in retail circles. Now they're having some banking partnership issues where they don't really have a USD offboarding system right now. And their euro offboarding system isn't present in a lot of different countries. You have to be present in the EU in order to use it. And that presents a huge problem. Getting cash into crypto isn't necessarily as difficult as getting crypto back into cash. That's the harder part oftentimes. And if you're not able to do that, well, then you starve the market itself. And we're going to see like a lot of these trading pairs on some exchanges start to dry up. What I'm expecting to see is a few players really come out of this ahead of the others. The Coinbases of the world that have those lobbyists, that have those ties to DC and have those ties to different banks and have those protections in place, they're going to have the liquidity. The other operators that are sort of on the fringes, they're not going to get those banking partnerships. I think we're going to see some exchanges have to halt services or the liquidity and matchmaking on prices are going to become so bad that people just aren't going to go there anymore. Jen, I'll throw it over to you again. Yeah, yesterday I quoted Bloomberg TV. They said that if Silvergate goes into receivership, it would be the biggest banking crisis since 2008 or 2009. I want to just make note that the bank is voluntarily liquidating, so it's not going into FDIC or receivership. That means it's not going to be on the failed bank list, but it is going to be the first major bank collapse since 2020 and possibly the largest since 2009. So not only a big crypto story, but possibly an indicator at the larger economy to come. Will? 
Yeah, one thing I think is worth pointing out here is that Silvergate is winding down voluntarily and it's doing so in a like orderly manner, right? So we go back to 2008, 2009, 2010. That was bad because things were coming apart at the seams immediately. People were walking out of these buildings with their cardboard boxes. There was people losing money left and right. We saw Lehman Brothers and all those guys just disappear off the face of the earth within an afternoon. That's not what's happening with Silvergate. And I think it's worth noting. Silvergate is drawing down in an orderly fashion. Yes, it's unfortunate that that's happening, but it's not like they're just like poof disappearing in the way that did happen during the Great Recession. That being said, I do think that like a lot of crypto antagonists are going to take this and run with it, and they're not going to really care about those facts here. We're already seeing that happen with Senator Elizabeth Warren tweeting about the subject earlier yesterday. You've been listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 